Where the Whiteboards Are, a podcast by educators about all things education. So we are joined again by Mitzi and Kay, and we want to talk to them about their post-retirement sort of jobs that they're doing. Because again, like we said, they are not exactly retired, and they both have some pretty extensive experience with student teachers, teachers of record, MAT uh, students. So I just want to kind of pick their brain a little bit about student teaching and kind of what that looks like, especially now post-COVID and we have this teacher shortage happening all over America. And so I think my first real question is, can you guys explain what a teacher of record is for our listeners? Teacher of record is a college student that is seeking an education degree that is within a set number of hours of graduation. And with those requirements, they are able to go out and apply for and obtain an actual teaching degree, or or not a teaching degree, a teaching position. And then that position becomes a paid position at the, the school level, and they have to do their student teaching while they are that teacher. So they're, in all effect, the classroom teacher being paid on a salary and having to do the expectations of a student teacher at the same time and fulfill the graduation requirements for the university. Now, is this a fairly new concept? Is this just because of the need for just teachers in general in in buildings that we're seeing more of this happen? I have supervised student teachers for the last seven years. And when I first began that experience, we had very limited teachers of record. This semester, I have four, and I have two, no, three that are teachers of record and one that is MAT. And will you tell us kind of what's, what's an okay. MAT? An so? MAT is someone who already has a degree in another area. And with that degree, they can go, go back and get a Master's of Arts in teaching, which allows them to then become a certified teacher. And they're the same way. If they get within a certain amount of credits away from graduation, they can obtain a teaching degree. Not teaching degree, teaching position and go out and teach and do their student teaching as an MIT. So, so they're getting paid. They're getting paid. The, I guess maybe can you explain maybe what the consequence of that with being a teacher of record as opposed to a student teacher like maybe what that that distinction let's Let's start with the benefits every student teacher when they start their student teaching experience has to quit their job most so they lose their income so one of the benefits of being a teacher of record is they're going to get paid a full salary just like a first-year teacher benefits sick leave um, any kind of stipend that they would receive for an extra group or a club. Um, insurance would all be paid. So they're getting the same benefits that they would the year after they graduate. So are they signing a year contract yes. when they do this? Yes. They are, they are hired as a first-year teacher, even though they are not certified, usually until um, December. Now, I have had a couple who have done a full year of teacher of record with no student teaching. And then the following year, 
they go in as a second year teacher and I do their student teaching in the fall. So they have a full year of experience under their belt prior to them doing student teaching with me. Hmm. So uh, benefits, money. They get paid to do their student teaching. Downfalls, um, you're expected to fulfill all of the requirements for the university while fulfilling all of the responsibilities and requirements for the district. As a first-year teacher. As a so first-year teacher. So you don't have your, like, oh, I know, by this point in time, I do this. Like, you're figuring right. all of that out. Yes. Wow. There's no guarantee to what kind of a classroom they walk into. Some have great curriculum. Some have none. Um, one of the biggest differences is in the fact that some districts will hire someone to sit in there for the first eight weeks. Some districts do not. And I know Kay has done some teacher of record for a district that she's been in there the first eight weeks that they've done their teacher of record. Some districts don't do that. So that first-year teacher with no student teaching experience walks in and takes over 100% day one. That is swimming no in the deep practice. end. Yeah, yeah, that is swimming in the deep end for sure. Yeah, and not is. a whole lot of probably support. I mean, obviously they get support from the university level, um, but as far as teacher-teacher support on a daily basis with someone right. being in the room, there's nobody. There's no one there day-to-day in the classroom. I give as much support as I can, but I'm not paid from the university to go in and supervise or to give assistance until they are technically an official teacher of record. Now, if they've been my student at the university and they call me and they say, hey, I'm having trouble with, I'm going to go in and help them. But I don't, that's not part of my responsibility from the university until they are officially a teacher of record. So the young lady that I had taught a full year, she was on her own. Mm -hmm. And um, she did not have anyone in there the first eight weeks. I went down and met with her a couple times and she did a fantastic job, but she is, I would say, not the norm. She is unique in the fashion that she was able to maintain a classroom and be successful with it. So what do you see as maybe the struggle with those teachers that are now becoming teachers of uh, of record, so to speak? Um, what do you see their struggle with? Is it because they didn't have that student teaching experience? They don't really understand like classroom management or do they not understand what goes into building curriculum? So where do you see those maybe pitfalls or the hesitation with maybe doing that even though you're getting paid? I think the biggest one is classroom management. Mm -hmm. They've had practicums and they've had short time periods that they've spent with experienced teachers, but they've not had a long-term experience where they can watch the teacher and then practice it with that teacher there and get feedback of, this would be an improvement I could see, or you did great on this. So they don't get a chance to practice before they're thrown in with the consequences of a full-year teacher. Um, if something goes wrong in that classroom, it's nobody's fault but that teacher of record, and they have to live with those consequences. And sometimes it's nice when you have your student teaching to make little mistakes and have that cooperating teacher help you figure out a way out of it. Whereas if you're a teacher of record and you're in a district, if you make a little mistake, you're figuring that out with your administration. 
Well, and also, I mean, we all know that your best lesson plans, you still, there may be a problem once you get into it or whatever, but we know you need to have a backup. You need to do this. And um, what I've seen as sitting in the classroom with the two that I have as support, um, their lessons may not be able to fulfill the time that is needed. Mm -hmm. So therefore you're going to have downtime, which leads leads to the classroom management problem. But I think that's because they haven't had the experience of teaching in the classroom like they would have in a student teaching situation. And you don't have um, that time to build up a bag of Tricks, tricks essentially right because if i had 10 minutes left in class like at, at you know by 10 years of teaching i have dozens of things that we could do to fill that 10 minutes and have it still feel purposeful but if you've never even got gotten to watch a cooperating teacher you haven't even begun to like collect that set of skills i also think one of the other things kind of with the classroom management piece is that intentional building of classroom culture um not just like oh you're behaving in this space but we like being in this space together um, is kind of something that I'm seeing as a challenge for our teachers of record. Um, and if you've never gotten to see somebody really, because that's like a long-term overtime thing. That's not just, oh, I go once a week for my practicum and I see how my teacher develops that. That's something that has to be witnessed over time. So I think that's also like a struggle. Yeah, because if you don't have that classroom culture, Good luck on your management, you know, because yeah, if go you're together. not, right, you have to kind of have both. Um, so do you feel like the that it's a, sort of a necessary evil at this point in time with the state of education? Is that kind of why this is happening? Or do you, you know, do, do you see something changing within that? Unfortunately, I see that it's going to become the norm. We have more positions currently in family and consumer science. That's the only place that I do my student teaching. We have more positions open now than we have people to fill them. And that's with all of our teachers of record and all of our MAT students. I have um, two students that are teaching this year, one of which will not student teach until spring, and the other one will not student teach until next fall but they already have full-time positions within a district. So are they taking classes then in addition to doing that? They are taking some classes, and I can't answer that real intelligently because that's not my side of the education responsibilities. I just do the student teaching. One of my um, peers that teaches at the university does all of the credits and who's eligible and what they still have to take. I know that I've had a couple of students who are teachers of record that I've had to do independent study with the health class that I teach. So uh, there have to be some modifications and adjustments, but we don't have enough teachers. And we are supplying more teachers from our university within our content area now than we've ever supplied before. I'm wondering, so is that something that like if someone's posting, a, if a district's posting a fax position, are you noticing that your students see that opening and kind of pursue it? Or are you getting schools reaching out 
and asking for, hey, we have an open position. Is there anybody we think could fill it? Both. Both. Um, The person that I work under at my university has a fantastic outreach within the entire state, not just our region. And they will call her. Do you have a student who's going to be eligible for? We have a teacher that's retiring. And, you know, best case scenario is you have a teacher who's going to retire. You put a student teacher in there, and then they take over that position. And they've trained them for not only the content, but for that district. Right. We don't get to do that very often because we need a teacher before in another district. Um, I think it's not going to change. And I think part of it is the Masters of Art and Teaching allows someone with a different degree to come in with an expediated coursework and enter a new field. And that's attractive to some other industries. And I think one of the biggest problems is once they get into our industry, they don't realize how difficult our jobs are. It's not a nine nine to three. It's not a seven thirty to three job. It's a six in the morning to six at night plus weekends. If you're lucky, I mean, you've got extra commitments that people don't think about as being a part of teaching. Do you notice that um, new new teachers or new new teachers of record are less likely to take on extra duties? Do you notice a hesitancy with that? Um, I just know, like, when I was hired at my district, it was very much a, hey, you're going to do yearbook. You are going to. And I, I obviously was like, okay, cool. It's a new challenge. It's something different. And I, I accepted that, and I wanted to do those things. And as a first-year teacher, I was told, hey, you're a first-year teacher. You are going to take on these extra duties because you're a first-year teacher it gets you a part of the community, but also the veteran teachers need to let some of those, you know, extra things go. Do you notice now that people are less willing to take those things on? Some are, some aren't, and some think that they are so invincible at what they're doing that they can take on too much. So if a district walks in and says, hey, we're going to have this teaching position, but we also expect you to do this club, this club, and this extra duty. They're going to take those, even though they may not do the best of jobs when they start it, because they want that paycheck. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they get overwhelmed. And the one thing that I try to talk to my districts about is don't overwork them. If you overwork them, you're not going to keep them. Right. If you want them to be your teacher... Don't give them too many outside responsibilities. And sometimes those districts listen, and sometimes they don't. Um, The university cannot mandate that there is a cooperating teacher in the room with them. We can suggest it. Now, um, we did have a teacher of record in the district that I'm on the board, and I kind of had a little bit more pull there, and I kind of put the ultimatum of, I'm not going to give you one of my student teachers unless you're willing to put someone in there for at least eight weeks. And and Kay was able to do that. And I think it was both beneficial to our district and very beneficial to that teacher. Um, it, it's 
it's not the ideal situation for most student teachers, but I have also seen some that have done fantastic. I had a young lady that was not even a teacher of record yet. I'm doing her student teaching um, supervision right now. She taught all of last year, and she did fantastic. She was energetic. Um, there were things that she wanted to do that she couldn't. She just didn't have as much energy and, and time as she wanted to have. But her classroom was ran very effectively and efficiently. The kids loved her. The district was sad to lose her because she took the skills that she learned in that district and moved closer back to home. Is that something you notice so, too? Is that a lot of them will, you know, leave this area? Do you, is that um, something that happens pretty often or not as often? No, because if they're planning to leave this area, we do out of area student teaching. So they actually go back closer to home and someone else does their supervision. Mm-hmm. So most of them that student teach here stay. And that's one of the great things I guess I can say about the university I work for. Every student teacher that I had last semester has a job. That's awesome. awesome. So, I mean, we work very hard at recruiting positions for our student teachers. And if we can manipulate that by putting them in a district where there's going to be a teacher retire, we try to do that. I really do think that'd be the ideal situation, though. If someone, if essentially, if administration could reach out before it's like a critical need situation, like, hey, we know we're having a retired teacher this year, we'd love to have a student teacher this year. That would seem like a really smart, like proactive move. Right. Well, and I know in some districts, well, at least in the district I'm currently in, they are starting to have um, a program where young people, high schoolers who want to teach are now being put in as like TAs Mm -hmm. and that sort of role um, at the elementary level or primary levels, um, I think there might even be two or three at the middle school level, and the goal being that they sort of grow their own. So they mm-hmm. had that they have that experience at the school, go to college, get some of those different certifications and things, and then come back to the same um, building, same environment that they're comfortable. I in. think it's Fort Zumwalt up in St. Louis has like one of the best grow your own educator programs. Like nationwide, like they've done a lot of work to sure. recruit people from the community back into the community, which I do think is in. Well, and I think schools option. are going to have to start yeah. really thinking about that because um, I'm just thinking about our own graduating class. So Sam and I graduated with our bachelors together. Mm-hmm. How many would you say were just English? Like thir- 13? Does 13 feel like a good number? Yeah, that probably. semester. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it was it was pretty large. Like that's that's pretty big. Yeah, there's a big group of kids. Um, and I I highly doubt it is that many today. Oh yeah. Well, and even if you just think about those 13, how many actually went into teaching afterwards? Because a couple did not. And then how many are still in teaching 10 yes. years later is a much smaller number. Something that has nothing to do with student teaching, but you mentioned grow your own. There's mm-hmm. a program for paraprofessionals. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. To where you grow your own, where if you have a para in your district, they can sign up for a grow your own. Therefore, part of their education expenses are paid through the school district with an understanding that once they get their teaching degree, then they come back and spend two years in the district, which is very similar to what a lot of the nursing schools have done. Mm-hmm. So if you have a para, does a great job, 
you think they're going to be a, a good teacher, you can encourage them to be a part of that. And it helps, this district helps with their finances. We have, I think, two of our paras right now that are going under that process. That's fantastic. So There's one, like, right next to me at uh, one of the buildings I'm at, and I'm blown away, like, how good she is. Like, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I, I could have swore that she was, like, undergrad, like, fully prepared. Like, she's that good. Mm-hmm. And her room's like all Harry Potter. It's super cool. <laughs> super cool. I was like, oh. She went all out for the decor. Like, you should check it out. It's like, <laughs> you would be impressed. Let's swing but, by. Yeah. I, like, just seeing um, a little bit of what she's doing and, and chatting with her a little bit. I'm like, oh, wow. This is super, super amazing. Um, something that I've noticed about the teacher of record situation too, though, is that each university that has a program can set their own requirements. Um, and some of them are more supportive than others, just in the process of trying to fill some positions at our district. There are definitely some universities who are more comfortable with like, sure, we'll, we'll sign off on it. And, um, versus like some of them, I know we have two teachers of record right now. And their university requires that they still have a close proximity mentor teacher. They still have to have weekly meetings and observations. And so you're at least, you're not getting that full experience, but you're getting more check-ins versus some of them are like, hey, we'll send somebody in on eight weeks and 16 weeks and we just need you to sign the paperwork in between. Which that kind of is alarming to me because I have been a cooperating teacher many, many times now Mm -hmm. over the years. And there are some duds that come through the door that have made it all three, three and a half years in college and they come in to student teaching and they are not ready for that experience or they're just not good. Um, And so I wonder, what do you, what do you do? Like if it's a teacher of record, what do you do with that person? I mean, if it's a sink or swim and now you have somebody who obviously doesn't have that security or support, or that lifeline, they're a teacher of record. And so they can be fired, I'm assuming, um, if -hmm. they are doing things that the school doesn't like or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. That's why I think it's so important that the districts advocate for having someone, a cooperating teacher, sit in with them or like me, a retired person coming back to sit in with that person, um, because they definitely need guidance. Um, I mean, we all remember our first year, and wow. You know, I mean, we felt overwhelmed. We felt like we were drowning sometimes and lost. And we had had the full experience with student teaching. And these um, teachers that are coming in, like we said, do not have that. So it's vital that they have, I think, someone in there that they can lean on and ask things to and, you know, just even bounce ideas off of um, for that first at least eight weeks. I think one of the most important things for me to do from the university level is make sure that my relationship with that building admin and the teacher that is serving in the pseudo-cooperating teacher role have an open line of communication. Yes, I'm only required to be there four to five times. And to fill out an eight-week and a 16-week MIS, I'm required to do that. But my goal is I want them to be in a position I don't have to write. <laughs> this is going to sound horrible. 
I don't have to write letters of recommendation <sighs> or to help them find another job. I want them to be successful. So I try to make an open communication to where if an administrator sees an issue or if a cooperating teacher sees an issue, I'm there more often. And I have a very blunt, realistic way of communicating with my student teachers. Sometimes sometimes I, they cry. Sometimes they <laughs> cry. And I don't mean to be that mean, but I also want to be realistic. I'm not going to come in to a student teaching position and say, oh, you're doing a great job. Everything is butterflies and roses and things are perfect. I'm going to give them some positives, but they also need to know what they're not doing correct or they're never going to become the teacher that I need them to become. So I'm pretty blunt. I still have very stringent uh, responsibilities. They still have to log their hours. They still have to journal for me. That's a great temperature check for what's, go what's going on in the classroom. Um, they still have to have their, their cooperating teacher evaluations. And I meet with that principal at eight weeks and 16 weeks and just say, hey, how are things really going? They're the district employee first because I can't tell them to do something that is against district policy because that is their job. Right. So it's my job to make sure that I'm not overwhelming them but still giving them an educational um, guidance. And it's, it's hard sometimes. There's a fine line that you walk. One of the big things that we do with our quote-unquote normal student teachers is they do a big unit plan. I cannot expect my student teachers who are teachers of record, who are teaching their first year, building curriculum for the district, teaching seven classes, and maybe taking an additional college class to write a full unit with full-blown lesson plans. How long has it been since you've written a full-blown full lesson plan? Uh, um, it's been about 11 years um, <laughs> right. and one summer, 11 years and one summer. <laughs> so, I mean, we have to look at what's realistic and what can we do to build them into the best teacher they can be and keep them in the profession. Because if the teacher of record causes them to have a negative connotation of student teaching and teaching, we're not going to keep them. Right. That's one of my big concerns. Is I So I think this is a trend that's kind of in response to the lack of supply of teacher candidates, right? But then the situation is so hard. Like, it's just exponentially more difficult. And so I'm worried that it just, like, perpetuates the problem or deepens the problem because maybe this person would have been an excellent teacher had they gotten to go through the whole process. But because it was so sink or swim and you didn't have that regular support, um, it just makes you leave altogether. Um, and that's really kind of one of my concerns is just how exacerbated the issue might become. Mm -hmm. It seems like a Band-Aid for a much bigger problem, um, and I'm just really afraid that that makes it worse as we go forward. One of the things that we've talked about at the university I go to is going back, and I'm going to attempt to do this, go back and look at all of our teachers of record mm -hmm. that I have had and see which ones of those are still teaching. Yeah, mm -hmm. which would be interesting. Because yeah. um, I had a teacher of record two years ago. She taught two years. She's out of the teaching profession completely. Mm -hmm. She left. Now, I don't want to blame that on teacher of record. That's not what I'm saying. Right. No. But I want to look at the correlation between who stayed in teaching and who is not. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I think it will have an impact. I, I think they're... 
some of them think they're ready when they're really not. Well, and I think, you know, I've had so many student teachers. I actually am going to have another one um, next week. They uh, Amanda's having another baby. <laughs> have another one. Uh, another little, a little, little child. Congratulations. So, so his Is it a boy in. or a girl? It's a boy. Oh. And, and Gender reveal. <laughs> it's a boy. Um, and I am, I'm a little nervous. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited, but I'm also a little nervous um, because he is from that area. And he um, is very much an active participant in volunteering for coaching and different things mm-hmm. like that. And so the kids already will potentially know him and be comfortable with him. Now that can be a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Um, I think behavior management-wise, if you play your cards right, that can be excellent. And you should have the best behaved kids on the planet because they know him. Conversely, if you are their buddy, you're not going to have the same experience um, with those kids. Um, But he is coming through from a program where they actually spend the entire year with that cooperating teacher. So I will have him as a practicum student. Mm -hmm. And then assuming everything goes great, I will then have him as a student teacher um, with the goal, hopefully that he, you know, can join, you know, and be a part of the district um, at a teaching level that following year, hopefully. And we have that opportunity as well. But we have very few that take that opportunity because they're, again, money. Mm -hmm. You have to take a full year off of your job to do that internship. And, you know, some districts will allow that person to sub and get paid for it. Some districts will not. And that's something that we can't mandate. Right. You know, we can... They ask us, can they sub? That's your call. And I tell my student teachers, I'm very honest. If the district's not going to pay you to be a sub, don't do it. No. No. Yeah, if don't you're not going to get paid. And if it's not within your area of being a student teacher, don't do it. Because they will abuse that to the point that you won't get the content knowledge that you need from your student teaching experience. So. Are there any, like, red flags first when you have student teachers that you're like, ah, this is, <laughs> this is something that maybe I'm seeing as a trend because it's a new generation or things that you're just like, Oh my gosh, why, how did this person make it this far? All of those. Um, the first red flag is the younger they get into the classroom, the less distance there is from the seniors that they have at the high school level. Now, if you're a first grade teacher, that's not really a big deal. If you're a middle school teacher, that's still not really a big deal. But when you're 20 years old and you're walking into a high school classroom, there's not a lot of distance there. And sometimes the kids don't know how to have a boundary and sometimes, unfortunately, those student teachers don't ha- know how to have a boundary. And so then they start with the, I want to be your friend, mm-hmm. not your teacher. And I know I'm old, and I loved every one of my students, but they were not my friends. And I think that's something we struggle with, with all of my student teachers, whether it be a traditional or a teacher of record. Usually my MAT teachers are older because they've already had a degree in something else. 
so I don't have that problem with them. Um, so that's a big red flag to me, a big concern. Not being able to accept constructive criticism is huge. And again, I'm very blunt, I'm very honest with my feedback, but I try to do it in as constructive way as I can. But it's hard for me to give constructive criticism to a student teacher who's sitting across the table and crying. <laughs> There's no crying in teaching. <laughs> Unless you well, do it at well, home. Well. <laughs> you do it at home. Um, and I think sometimes they don't know how to receive that feedback because they've not had that student teaching practice. I, I agree with this. You know, they mm -hmm. don't, they didn't have that 16 weeks of building a relationship with a cooperating teacher where you can sit down and go, hey, what did you think of that lesson? And then receive feedback. Um, I come in five times. Some of my kids know me well because they've already had me in health class. Some of them do not. My MAT teachers, that may be the first time they see me is when I come in for an orientation visit. So I think their ability to take what I say, process it, and apply what fits and throw away what doesn't. I'm not a master of everything. I don't know all the answers. But I want them to at least listen to my ideas and then sift out what they can use. And they don't know how to do that. Once you say something negative, it's hard to get past that. And I think it's because they've not had that practice. Well, and I think I'm noticing for mine that there's this really big emphasis or I think personal pressure to kind of fly with the rest of the staff, which they, they don't need to put on themselves. I mean, you do to a certain degree because you are a full staff member. But like for our elementary, for example, our elementary on average is very experienced. We have a lot of teachers with two decades of experience. Um, and so if you haven't even had student teaching, you don't need to be at the, like no one's expecting you to be at that place um, that those other teachers are at. Um, but I think the pressure to be there also makes you feel less receptive to feedback. You're trying to give that idea of like, no, I do have this together mm -hmm. and it's all going to be fine. Um, and so they're less receptive to, hey, have we thought about this or how are you feeling this is going? Could we adjust this way? What about, Kay, for you when you were in the classroom with them or over the years? I mean, you've obviously interacted with a lot of student <laughs> teachers in a lot of different ways, but. That was an old joke. That was an old joke. <laughs> You're okay. being picked on. It's okay. Um, sometimes I feel old. Um, I agree with the age thing. I think that's a huge, huge factor that. Um, those boundaries have to be set, and that's very hard for them to do sometimes. Um, and as you were saying, um, I think sometimes they just don't take advice very well. But I don't know if it's because they don't want to or if it's because they don't, they just don't know what to do at that point in time. If something, you know, I, in the situations I've been in, you know, I offer advice. I tell them what I might have done um, or what I would have, you know, what you could have done differently. But I don't think they know because they don't have that extra experience. Um, so they don't know how to handle that. And sometimes it ended up in tears. 
Um, and it wasn't because I was trying to be mean. I'm far nicer than Mitzi over here. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> but, um, you know, it ended in tears because they just felt like they were uh, failing, not only in their eyes, but in my eyes. And you don't want them to feel that way. But they felt that way because I don't think they had the enough background to build mm -hmm. upon. And I can remember being a practicum student giving my very first lesson. And we had a lady, I don't want to name drop her. Don't. Okay. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> you should not. <laughs> um, most intimidating woman I have ever met. An expert in the classroom. Um, and she tore me up left, right, and Did center. Really? Oh, yeah. My first lesson, pew, down the toilet. It was bad. Oh. And I recognize now as a, mm. as a veteran teacher, like, oh, that was, yeah, you know, just not very good. Um, and I remember being like, oh, my gosh, I'm so awful. Like, this is like, <laughs> I, I, I just shouldn't teach. Like, this is just so horrible. Um, she got mad at me because I said, you guys. Yeah, she hates that. Mm. Yeah, um, which I still use today. And I, oops, sorry. It, I didn't learn, I guess, or adapt or change. Dialectally regional. It's, it is what it is. We're right. Sorry. Right. Um, I think that's what they call growth skew. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't catch it. Uh -uh. I, I don't get it. <laughs> Will you please tell them what growth skew is? I didn't uh, catch that. <laughs> <laughs> You're mother your teaching mom was yeah. texting me and oh. that's why i didn't catch that i was seeing what i was like my mother <laughs> work mom <laughs> growth cube mm -hmm. yeah otherwise known as grotesque um spelling test this week oh. um, <laughs> in the classroom Sorry. with what grade yeah. 11th thank you yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> Growth cue. They didn't know that word. Um, <laughs> anyway, where were we? Sorry, I, I no, derailed sorry. that. No, sorry. it's okay. Yeah. I just, yeah. So I, I think, but because I had that experience and I had that, you know, feedback that was, you're pretty bad at this. Um, it made me realize like, oh, I've got to be able to take this criticism and do something with it. Um, and then if you've never had that, if you've never right. ever been sat down and told Hey, what you're doing is not so great. Or hey, there's some other class classroom management techniques that we could probably do. Or hey, Billy, that's hanging from the ceiling tile probably shouldn't be doing that. Or whatever is going on in your room. Um, I think if you if you're not open to accepting that or have never experienced it, other than in this sort of sink or swim situation, that's that's tough. That'd be yeah. really hard. My very first practicum was at Robertson. Um, and a masterful teacher. I walk in and she's like, all right, you're not sitting down. Like, I've got something for you right now. Just immediately. There Good. was no like, yeah, what you need. adjustment. And she was like, this child needs this taught to them. And if you can get him to do this whole worksheet, I'll automatically refer you for an A. So I was like, you bet. <laughs> uh, we're doing this worksheet today. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't, didn't get I was going to say that. <laughs> she knew. She knew that was an impossible task. But I like looking back, I appreciate that mindset of like, don't let me get comfortable. Like I need to be, I guess, comfortable being uncomfortable um, in, in that setting. And the best way to learn is like 
be thrown into it um, with support, obviously. Right. Um, I will say like this year or this past year, Sam and I both had practicum students and they were not what I would consider ready to be in the classroom by themselves. And, and I was pretty shocked um, because I had given mine just the simple task of giving a book talk. Like, so tell us about a book that you read. We'll do like a first chapter Friday, introduce yourself. Tell, tell us just a little bit about a book that you would recommend to students. Um, and I checked in with her a couple times that week and she said, oh, I don't have that. I, I'm not ready. Can we do it next week? I'm just not ready. I'm not comfortable to, to talk for five minutes. And it shocked me. So did you say think, no? Did you make her do it anyway? Um, no, because she didn't have anything. So do you think that's a student issue or a university issue? I think, to be fair to those students, because um, mine, ours came from the same program. Mine was ultra prepared. Like, she was so, like, almost over prepared, but she was very uncomfortable interacting with students. Um, and in their defense, because of COVID, all of their practicum experiences had been virtual. Yes. Or, right. like, you're observing a different teacher again virtually. So they really hadn't been face-to-face -face with students very much. Um, the only other experience they had was very small scale. Like they worked with a targeted group of students, like three or four. So all of a sudden being in a class of 30, they had n no experience with that. Um, so like I think mine hopefully had an excellent student teaching experience. But because like I said, she was very prepared in terms of content. She was just really uncomfortable. Being yeah, and I would say the same about mine. Super sweet gal. Um, but I don't think she was ready mm -hmm. to even have those little mini interactions. The things that we do every single day that are a piece of cake. You tell me to come into a room of 120 kids, you know, a, a gym full of kids and say, do something with them for five minutes. Okay. Sounds good. Um, and these, I don't think these students could, could do that, um, with even just a classroom full. Um, and I, yeah, maybe it is a COVID thing. I didn't know if you have noticed that just working with student teachers, their comfortability with students, just just that part. But I think part of that goes back to just your passion and your interest in teaching. If you truly have a desire to be a teacher, you're going to have experience experiences before student teaching that give you some toolkits and things to do. If you wait till student teaching to interact with kids, you're going to be awkward. You're just going to be awkward. So I think part of that goes back to the passion of, okay, are they doing something at church? Are they doing summer camps? Are they taking their nieces and nephews and doing things? Are they doing some tutoring? Are they out there interacting with kids? Because if they don't do that before student teaching, they're all going to be awkward. But I think that's kind of what you ran into by nature of their preparation through that yeah. time. So I guess in some ways it could be almost like a university thing, wherein maybe the English department could have done more, almost like intervent. Like we know this group didn't get the experiences we would have liked them to have, so we're going to try to fold those in in a different way. Could have maybe been an option, but yeah, just it was just very different because I that was the first time I had run into 
than being uncomfortable oh, yes. just with the kids. I mean, I would say, hey, go join that group and help them with whatever we're working on. If it was a, you know, a, a short story and they were answering some questions in a group setting, I would say, hey, go sit with them and help them. Like that kind of thing, that w- which with other student teachers I've had in the past, that's what I like to do is throw you in, you know, kind of like J- yeah. Jacob was saying, like, you, you need that. I don't want you just sitting in the back of my room grading or whatever right. it is. Um, you need to be a part of the the class. And that was, I mean, they were very, mine was very uncomfortable in I that almost world. Wish, like I gave mine a desk because we thought she was going to be there for longer than she was. And I almost wish I wouldn't have. And I would have been like, hey, don't ever, like, you don't, you can set your bag back there and we don't need to be sitting down. Let's go. I think that would have been a great um, way to at least just break, like forcibly break the ice. Right. Could have been a great idea. Are there any schools that take student teachers that kind of have like an onboarding process that's maybe formalized instead of like putting the onus on the cooperating teacher in terms of like bringing them on board and here's kind of what I want you to do. I'm almost hearing like if there was a more structured approach and maybe it's not at a school, maybe it's a statewide thing. I don't know. Maybe something top down that kind of says, Hey, this, um, is what we could do to support student teachers. Um, I, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but I just feel like it's being loosey goosey with a cooperating teacher. I mean, that's that's a gamble right there. That's a a variable that's sometimes hard to probably control for. But with yours, you're you're kind of protective of I, your I am, people. Yeah. They're my kids, right? And, and they're twenties and mid twenties, and they're still my kids. And I'm going to do what I can to help them, but. One of the biggest excuses that we will get from a district is finances. They're going to have to pay someone to come in and sit eight weeks or 16 weeks, depending on how long um, the district lets that cooperating teacher sit in there. And it's they're going to pay them sub-pay. Mm-hmm. And in the district that Kay works in, after 10 days, it goes That's from base sub-pay to long-term so it's an expense. And as much as we'd like to say that education doesn't revolve around money. Still need to eat. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. right. Well, yeah. and it, you know, and, yeah. and the other thing is finding someone who will go in and do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who has eight weeks to give up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've kind of right. used and abused K in our district because... She likes the community. Yes, we are. (laughs) Because she started with one of my facts teachers of record. And then we had another situation where she transferred after the first eight weeks to another position um, because of a medical issue. And then after that medical issue had been resolved, we had a teacher that uh, resigned mid-year. So we had to have another teacher come in. We hired another teacher of record. So she went from one teacher of record to a medical leave, to a, to a second teacher mm-hmm. record. So she was basically a full-time employee. But those aren't out there and available. That's, oh. I would think a school would want to invest in that, one for the student teacher, liability. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, yeah, it's money. It, it costs money, but... It's a, a good use term. of it. It's yeah. A good, yeah. Well, and then you can have that person... You know, even if it's not a retired person, maybe it's just a veteran, a veteran right. teacher 
whose job at your district is to Swing. build those first year teachers oh, that, or a, those teachers of idea. record. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like we have instructional coaches and they're outstanding and they're amazing, but they are for the entire, sometimes True. the entire yeah. district. Right. Uh, I mean, in Sam's case, like it's K-12. Yeah, I'm K-12. So I, I want to spend so much time with our two, but I also like other people need other things. Sure. Right. But if you had literally just a, you know, this is an instructional coach who is specific to teachers of record, mm -hmm. first year teachers, teachers that need additional support. Maybe they didn't do so well on their, you know, first evaluation like or yeah. something like that. Um, and that's their job is to to work on those sorts of things. And then you mentioned training at the university level, pay somebody, pay somebody to teach a class mm -hmm. to cooperating teachers. Oh. That is, this is how we interact with our student teachers and our teachers of record yeah. and make it like a, a certification sure. or something. And that really can become a revolving door because what you can do Yes, the schools would have to pay money, but you offer it as career ladder hours since yeah. our, like it depends on your school if they have it or not. Um, but then it becomes full circle because now you're bringing that sure. experience back into your your building. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you'd have to pay, but ultimately, if you did yeah. it a couple times, you would yeah. then have some teachers. You, that what would, does it cost the school district to have a revolving door of a position? Right. You know, anyways... You know, when you can invest in people, um, your current staff to be leaders and then invest in new staff by being fully supported. Like, I think mentorship programs are great, but sometimes it's not enough. And sometimes some some people just need more support. Right. Um, I seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Your mentor like your doesn't mentor. like you. Your mentor <laughs> yeah. is only as good as the relationship yeah. you have yeah. with yeah. them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because, I, and this was a dumb Dumb situation. <laughs> I had taught 20 years before I went into the facts department. I had to have a mentor. <laughs> and I had taught 20 years. <laughs> I bet that was and great. My, somebody with four years experience. <laughs> my, um, have you thought about this? <laughs> she actually had Ed 10 years coach. of experience. <laughs> <laughs> she had 10 years of experience. Mm -hmm. So she had less teaching experience than I had. But it was all within the content area. I see. Right. So... I mean, we had it was fine, but she wasn't beneficial to me yeah. right. at that point. Mm -hmm. Whereas, mm -hmm. I hope that she would feel the same way. When I left uh, and retired from my district, my student teacher took over. I went in and was her mentor so that not only she had a mentor for the content, she had it with questions of the district. And I think there again, if we build our own, it would be beneficial. But not every mentor's mentor is good. Right. No. Well, that's very sure. true. <laughs> but but if you again did a training, did it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you also have to teach those people. How do you give constructive feedback so that you don't have someone crying in your room? Well, you'd have well, to talk to Kay because evidently <laughs> <laughs> to me. <laughs> but I mean, there is some finesse maybe that. Yeah. Could, could be taught. Maybe it doesn't get taught or, you know, but um, I think there has to be something else that we're doing to support first year and new teachers because in my mind, so I'm thinking back to my last year at our district that we all worked at together. Um, we had hired somebody for Sam's position. I was 
hesitant. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually, nah, maybe. It's good. It's, it's good. Uh, I was going to say. No, I want to just proceed. Okay. Proceed. Um, <laughs> we can talk about that off here. <laughs> okay. Um, but at any rate, um, that person, all I could do is maybe just check in. Say, hey, how's it going? Hey, do you need anything? How's it going? Need anything? Because I was stretched so thin mm-hmm. with all my other extracurriculars that I had taken on. Um, and it makes me wonder, oh, if I would have maybe been more supportive? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but would she have stayed had she had more support, more mentorship? I don't, I don't know. Statistically, I'm a terrible mentor, so I well, can't comment there. So I'm a big mentor uh, failure. We, I mean, Sam and I teamed up to like really support uh, a math educator in our building that was from that same community. And I mean, we really, I felt like we tried really hard to provide support yes. in a lot of different yes. levels. Um, I would agree. Really good intentions. Yes. yes. And it, and it Very failed. Very little impact. And, and, Man, I don't, I don't know what else we could have done. Yeah, no. um, so I think that's happens. Obviously, yeah. sometimes some people get so far in the process and they get through student teaching. It's not meant to be, um, and I, you wish them the best. But yeah, yeah. And well, and Sam and I had shared one. Oh, a student teacher, a student, not teacher? a mentee, not a mentee. Yeah, uh, a student teacher, and well, they can't want them all. <laughs> I mean, I by October it was kind of. Mm-hmm. Done. Um, but I have also, a student teacher that performed an in sync dance at prom. I missed out on that again. Uh, yeah, I missed out on that one. Um, what in sync song? It's gotta be the know? bye 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 bye. bye. Oh, it's for sure, be, it's yeah. gotta be yeah. at prom though. At prom. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Was it Eric? Yes, let's spread that rumor. He breaks out the poi. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just fire. Yeah, that's not a rumor, though. That's, that's just right. true. That's, that's, that's a true, true story. story. And I fully support fast. it. Like, <laughs> I, I just, fully don't, and this is where we differ. Mm. <laughs> Let, let's just talk about Eric like he's not in the room with us. This is my favorite way to do it. Okay, so you had a student teacher that went to prom? with an. Like not. to supervise, to to just be there and date. Hopefully dance. not as <laughs> like a date. An attendee. Not, not a date. No. Um, technically not a. Well, I guess she could have been in a supervisory. I mean, as a. But not she, a. She's just hanging out. At she prom. was just there to yeah enjoy prom. That's why I always went as a teacher. Um, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah. she danced. Does she dance with the students? And oh, stuff? no. Oh. <laughs> Again. Yes. This is that boundaries piece. Great. This is when that it comes to boundaries. <laughs> and that was, she was young. Uh-huh. And Prom in her eyes, really there was nothing wrong with that. And yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I yeah. mean, I would dance with them very funnily. 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 Fun- yeah, yeah, duh. English I mean, education brought to you by uh, Amanda Wynn. <laughs> That's right. Get your education right here. Um, get learned it real good. But like in a way that was like not with them. But yes. you're not embarrassed? Like yes. a crab dance. Yes, I would crab dance in the corner mm-hmm. of prom because I was the prom advisor. So I was there. Wait, I thought the crab dance was also what was used to summon snow. Correct. Both. Also COVID. That's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
listen, I can't help that prom happened and then know, right after COVID would uh, happen or whatever. The last time Amanda did the crab dance on the podcast, we were out of school for a week. It was super cool. Yep. Thank you. You're welcome. I really needed it, actually. So thank you yeah, so much. You're, you're very welcome. <laughs> I'm going to actually probably crab dance after this so we can get some more cool weather. I was, yeah, that works. It's only for cold, not hot. I figured out. Or I am Elsa. <laughs> or okay. pandemics. Or pandemics. Worldwide pestilence. Yeah. Also. Same thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that, yeah. isn't that yeah. what it is? Mm-hmm. Much like student teaching, sometimes moments can be a little awkward, but it's important <laughs> to have support. So whether you are a teacher of record, an MAT student, as we're seeing those growing trends happen across the United States, Hopefully in your building, you have some supportive people, especially some supportive colleagues or retired teachers like we have in our room with us today. So I just want to thank um, Mitzi and Kay again for coming on the show, sharing with us their expertise. These two women are absolutely incredible. If you ever get the pleasure of meeting them or seeing them. them, One of them will make you cry. Uh, But then one of them will be there to pick up the pieces. To pick up when you're down. That's right. That's what we did during student teaching. I would come in, make her cry, and then Kay would make her feel better. (laughs) They're the dynamic duo that everyone didn't know they needed until this moment. So I just want to say thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to Where the Whiteboards Are. If you have any comments, questions, uh, topic suggestions, anything like that, please feel free to reach out to us. We have an email address. It is WTWA at 277media.com, where the whiteboards are, WTWA at 277media.com. The opinions expressed in our podcast are that of the individuals and do not represent the opinions of their employers, school districts, or communities in which they work.